A quick note that this week's episode was recorded before last weekend's protests. We hope that this can give you a moment of relief in these difficult times. Beyonce may be flawless, but we're not. Yeah, we swear sometimes, like in this episode. (laughs) Want to imagine you're Beyonce again? Okay, I never stop imagining I'm Beyonce. (laughs) Okay, so it's 2007 and you're in Paris. Ooh, bonjour, enchanté. This crepe is delicious. Okay, don't get distracted. You're not here (laughs) to eat crepes. You're with Jay, and he's got a surprise planned. A cruise along the Seine. How original, Jay. Wow, okay, scratch that. He's taking you to the tippy top of the Eiffel Tower. Mm, Except I'm afraid of heights. Wow, you're not making this easy on him. How about a fancy restaurant? Jay, if it's anything less than three Michelin stars, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Jay's brought you to Paris so he can propose. Oh, well, if I'd known that, I would have imagined something more memorable than a fancy dinner. Like maybe a sleepover at the Louvre. Arisha, this is our fantasy Jay-Z proposal. (laughs) If we want to imagine he shells out a few mil to rent the Louvre to propose, boom, we can. (laughs) Because the thing is, like so much else about Jay-Z and Beyonce's romance, it's shrouded in mystery. Mm. We don't actually know how he popped the question. Can we at least imagine what I'm wearing? Mm. I look great in black, but we don't want to start this off wrong. Hmm. Maybe red? Okay, stay with me. (laughs) Wait, what's that noise? You're in a tattoo parlor now. It's now after the proposal. Hang on. Did he get down on one knee? Did I get a ring? The knee I'm not really sure about, but you did get an 18 karat emerald cut diamond set on a platinum pave band. Mm. And it cost five million bucks. Chump change for (laughs) Jay-Z. No, that's kind of a lot for anyone. He loves me. (laughs) And now to commemorate your engagement, you and Jay are getting the number four inked on your ring fingers. Mm. It's your lucky number and his. But no one's really going to see your new ink because of that ring. The next year, Beyonce and Jay get married. And the wedding is shrouded in secrecy, too. No press release, no announcement. But if you happen to be in Tribeca on April 4th, 2008, and if you happen to camp out in front of Jay-Z's penthouse apartment... Wait, so now I'm some nameless stalker? You would have seen a delivery crew drop off 70,000 perfect white orchids. That's a lot of orchids. Yeah. Then there's a second delivery. More orchids. Jay really isn't skimping on these orchids. Apparently, they sent him back $8 million. More than the ring. Right. (laughs) And they die. (laughs) I know. That ring lasts a lot longer than those orchids. So next, a giant white tent is installed on top of the building. Now Mm. people are putting two and two together. Beyonce and Jay-Z are getting married. Gossip blogs speculate wildly. Who's invited? What time is the wedding? Who's going to get the first photos from the street? And how much are they going to charge the tabloids? Mm. A little after five, people start to show up. Beyonce's bandmates from Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams and Kelly Rowland. Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin, pre-conscious uncoupling. There are 40 guests total, and they're all told to leave their phones outside. No one's going to record this. But we do know that Beyonce's mom, Tina, and her grandma cook Creole dishes like gumbo, oxtail, candied yams. Who cares about the food? What I want to know is, who is Queen Bay wearing? Her mom actually makes her dress. Oh. It's strapless silk, mermaid cut, very chic. And her hair is pinned back in this perfect bun. Bay looks breathtaking, like an angel. Or a soon-to-be queen. All the men are in black and the women are in white. The guests throw white feathers as she walks down the aisle. The whole thing is just unreal. (sighs) 
That sounds perfect. Yeah, it really does. No surprise there, though. Right. But what <laughs> is surprising is Beyonce and Jay-Z almost didn't make it to the altar. From Wondery, I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. And this is Even the Rich. In our last episode, Beyonce Knowles went from shy first grader to the lead singer of mega-successful girl group Destiny's Child. Meanwhile, Jay-Z used his business acumen and his talent to become a millionaire many times over. Along the way, the two of them fell in love. Now they're finally together. But Jay-Z and Beyonce are going to have to figure out how to avoid losing each other before they even get started. This is episode two, Run the World. It's 2003, and Jay-Z just got some shitty news. Please tell me it's not about Beyonce. No, and it's not about their relationship. Yet. They're still playing it cool, seeing where things lead. And both of their careers are on fire. The bad news is about Jay's dad, Adnis. He's dying. And he wants to reconcile with his son before he goes. But Jay's not so sure. He's never forgiven Adnis for abandoning him when he was 11. He's pretty much worked his whole adult life to cut out that memory and pretend it's all fine. So when Jay's mom offers to set up the meeting, Jay tells her, "Mm, nah. But his mom won't take nah for an answer. So Jay relents. He invites Adnis over to his house and tries to push down his hopes of having a conversation where he can ask all the questions he's pushed down for years. And then Adnis doesn't show up. Understandably, Jay's pissed, but he reluctantly agrees to give him one more chance. And this time, Adnis shows up. When they get to talking, Jay doesn't hold back. He asks his dad, how could you do that? How could you leave like that? But apparently Adnis didn't come here to come clean. He says, you knew where I was. Oof, harsh. Yeah. Jay is boiling now. He says, I'm a kid. I'm not supposed to find you. What are you talking about? And suddenly, Adnis softens. He admits he was wrong. He tells Jay he knows he failed to be the dad his son needed. As they continue to talk, one man to another, something amazing happens. Jay starts to let go of all the hurt and pain he's been carrying around all these years. It's like this revelation. And because he's Jay-Z, he writes a song about it. It's called Moment of Clarity. Listen to this. It's one of the verses. So, Pop, I forgive you for all the shit that I lived through. It wasn't all your fault, homie. You got caught into the same game I fought. Shit, that's deep. Yeah, and even more importantly, Jay gets closure. And with it comes this opening of the heart. He stops acting like a brash playboy. He's ready once and for all to get serious about Beyonce. And that's not the only big change Jay makes. It's November 2003. Jay-Z is about to perform before a sold-out crowd at Madison Square Garden. As he waits in the wings, an announcer comes on the PA. Ladies and gentlemen, from Marcy Projects, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, New York, presenting the one, the only, undisputed, undefeated, heavyweight champion of the world of hip-hop, he is... Holy shit. Just once in my life, I'd like a hype man like that. Okay, say no more. 
from Saverna Park, Maryland, weighing in at none of your damn business, presenting the one, the only, undisputed champion of the world of podcasting, she is Arisha. Holy shit. Yeah. If this podcasting thing doesn't work out, you got to become an announcer. I would love to. So anyway... Jay takes the stage and the audience goes wild. There are 20,000 people out there shrieking, delirious fans. A few of them, like Kanye and Usher, are Jay's friends. But there's only one who's his girl, Beyonce. She's here to support her man as he takes a giant step. Because this isn't a regular concert. It's his last concert. Jay-Z is retiring at 33. Maybe you'll love me when I fade to black. Yes, that's a line from what Jay will call his final album, which he released the same month as this concert. Later in the show, he raps, From Marcy to Madison Square, to the only thing that matters in just a matter of years. As fate would have it, Jay's status appears to be at an all-time high. Perfect time to say goodbye. So poetic for his last show. I know, sad face. (laughs) He tells the world he's bored. Bored with hip-hop. He's got a Grammy and seven platinum albums. Jay says, I love when somebody makes a hot album and then you've got to make a hot album. I love that. But hip hop ain't hot. No one's willing to step up and challenge Jay's dominance. He likes to compare himself to Michael Jordan. He says he's so good, he plays for his own team. So what's left? And he's growing. His early songs, the ones that made him a star, they chronicled his hard knock life. He can't rap about that stuff anymore. I mean, he runs a super successful record label and clothing line. He's loaded. Uh, And he's dating the incomparable Beyonce. (laughs) Yeah. As he later puts it, no one wants to hear a guy in a big mansion telling them he's going to shoot me. Okay, but to be fair, I wouldn't want anyone in any type of housing situation (laughs) telling me he's going to shoot me. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) But just because Jay is retiring as a rapper doesn't mean he's walking away from the music business entirely. Do you remember his song, Excuse Me, Miss? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, so it came out just before he retired. Right. In the video, there's a scene where Jay is like sitting in a boardroom dressed in a three-piece suit. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, seated around him are like a bunch of bickering businessmen. Yeah. Jay's just sitting in his chair with his arm crossed, like looking cool. I'll chill. (laughs) When he leans forward, everyone goes still. He grabs a pen, signs a piece of paper, and the businessmen burst into applause. One journalist speculates that he put this in the video to show he's just as happy cutting deals in the boardroom as he was making records in the studio. He may be bored of performing, but he's not bored with being a businessman. Not long after his final show, Jay gets a job offer, one that makes him perk up. Def Jam, the label that helped release his records, is looking for a new president. If he takes it, he'll get to sign artists and take what he's learned managing his own brand and apply it to other musicians' careers. The salary is something like $10 million a year. And to sweeten the deal, Def Jam is willing to give Jay the rights to his master recordings. It's that sweetener that does it. Jay will later say, I could say to my son or daughter, here's my whole collection of recordings. I own those. They're yours. Things must be getting pretty serious with Beyonce if he's thinking about kids. Yeah, I think he's looking ahead to a new phase in his life. He's ready for the next chapter. Husband, father, music industry mogul. He's always had business savvy, so it makes sense. But think about what the music business has always been. Since the beginning, labels have been notorious for taking advantage of their artists, like not paying their royalties, discarding them when they're not popular anymore. 
Now, Jay is the one in charge. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and Beyonce knows Jay's new gig could be good for her career. She knows that each of his business ventures is an opportunity for her, too. She even sings about it in her song, Upgrade You. I love that song. Mm -hmm. When you're in them big meetings for the mills, you take me just to compliment the deals and anything you cop, I'll split the bill. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Jay's first order of business at Def Jam is to give the once great label a shot in the arm. And it's not going to be easy. Def Jam is full of guys coasting on past success who brag about signing artists that haven't been relevant since Jay was a kid. Jay's like, where's the passion? Where are the ideas? Where's the new shit? The answer is not a Def Jam. He knows if it's going to happen, it's up to him. He's got to find some new talent. And a few weeks later, in early 2005, an unknown singer comes in for an audition. She's 17 and nervous. I mean, who wouldn't be? One minute you're a kid, the next you're on the 29th floor of a Manhattan skyscraper, and you're sitting across from Jay Frickin' Z. But as soon as she launches into her song, Jay can tell she's something special. Come, Mr. DJ, some pun they replay. Come, Mr. DJ, won't you turn the music up? It's Rihanna! <laughs> yeah, 17-year-old Robin Fenty, a.k.a. Rihanna. When she's done singing, Jay tells her, there's only two ways out. Out the door after you sign this deal or through this window. Rihanna, of course, takes the first option and signs a record deal the same day. Smart girl. Yeah. And not long after that, she's in the studio and records Ponder Replay. Def Jam releases the single and nothing. But Rihanna's got this young, ambitious publicist and he's got an idea. Get Jay-Z to hype the song. Post about it, tweet about it, brag about it. Get Jay-Z's celebrity muscle behind it. Simple idea, right? Don't forget, Jay did discover Rihanna in the first place. But weirdly, Jay's not interested in doing that kind of work. He says, if she's a hit, great. If not, next. The publicist does not like that. So he keeps pushing and looking for angles. He goes to a music journalist at MTV and begs her to write a story about Rihanna. The writer's like, sure, I'll do a story on Rihanna if you can get me a quote from Jay-Z. The publicist's like, it's not asking much. I'm sure Jay-Z will be on board. So he fires off a text to Jay. Dude, two sentences about Rihanna. Jay writes back, hit me up later, which he does. And again, nothing. And without a quote from Jay, the MTV story falls through. Wow. Thanks a lot, Jay. <laughs> this guy's just trying to help Rihanna. Do not feel bad for this publicist because what he does next is a pretty big dick move. He plants a story that Rihanna and Jay are having an affair behind Beyonce's back. Whoa. So this two-bit publicist concocts a totally bogus rumor that could destroy the most important long-term relationship <laughs> in our nation's history? What the hell? Yeah, he does. And the tabloids run with it. In a cover article, the National Enquirer accuses Jay of betrayal, says Beyonce is wildly jealous the whole nine yards. And you want to know the craziest thing about it? The plan works. Ponda Replay is a hit. Like, a huge hit. Song of the Summer huge. He made Rihanna a star and got back at Jay for not helping more. It's actually really weird to imagine a world where that song wasn't on the radio 24-7 in 2005. Serious alternate universe vibes. <laughs> yeah, that song was everywhere that summer. And so were the Rihanna Jay-Z rumors. Yeah. Jay knows the publicist is behind the whole thing. So he calls him and he says, dude, she's a minor. Which is true. Remember, Rihanna's only 17. And this douchebag is like, oh, shit, man. I didn't even realize. I was just trying to do my job. 
God, what an idiot. (laughs) What does Beyonce think about all this? Well, even if she doesn't believe the tabloids, other people definitely do. And it's really damaging for her image. She doesn't share anything with the media about her love life. Remember, she's always been super guarded about her private life. Mm -hmm. But there's an even bigger reason now. This rumor could tank her career. And she doesn't even have proof it's not true. But she loves Jay, so she doesn't know what to do. Wow. Yeah, I'd be furious. Mm -hmm. How is this not the end of Beyonce and Jay-Z? Well, it almost is. So I just want to say DoorDash deserves all the gold stars. Like, I cannot tell you how many times it's come in handy. Mm -hmm. We actually use it for our Thursday night sleepovers. We get Cheesecake Factory all the time on DoorDash. (laughs) But it's it's good for a lot of things. Groceries, late night snacks, all kinds of stuff. And before you ask, Richie's, yes, of course we have a code. You can use code (laughs) RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your next convenience, grocery, or retail order for eligible users only, terms apply. Love it. Listen, Rich you play your cards right, you never have to leave your house again. <laughs> yep. And that's the real dream. Is. Get everything you need when you need it. Use code RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more at convenience, grocery, or select retail stores on DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply. Can we talk about how cool it is that with Audible, you almost feel like you're watching a movie just by listening to the stories. Especially with Audible's new collection of exclusive thrillers. They feature captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances, so the story is really brought to life. I'm excited to listen to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. It's actually about a podcaster. (gasps) who meets this girl and this girl like tells her about her life and she's like you should feature me in your podcast but then the girl's life is like very strange oh my gosh so why has that not happened to us yet it will it's only a matter of time <laughs> but it sounds so good and juicy yeah and richie says an audible member you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog including best-selling audio titles and new releases in every genre New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash even the rich or text even the rich to 500 500. That's audible.com slash even the rich or text even the rich to 500 500 to get started. In the summer of 2005, after rumors about Jay Z and Rihanna have started to swirl, Jay and Beyonce are hanging out at the 4040 Club in New York. It's a nightclub with a sports bar theme that Jay-Z owns. And tonight, they're arguing. A lot. Loudly. People nearby listen in. They can't hear much. Games are blaring on the TV. But there is one word they hear over and over again. Rihanna. Oh, man. Listen harder, you guys. (laughs) This is history in the making. Yeah, it's really a shame we weren't there. We could have hid behind a plant or scooched a lot closer. No reason we can't pretend. True. I'll be Beyonce. I'm Beyonce. I'm telling the story. Ugh, fine. (laughs) Jay, what the hell? Rihanna? What do you mean? Rihanna? You know what I mean about Rihanna. All those stories in the tabloids about you and Rihanna? Nothing's going on with us. I signed her. Rihanna is 17. She's just one of my artists. Rihanna. I'm leaving. Wait, Beyonce. I can't do this. I love them all so much. Can we just spy on someone else? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The truth is, Beyonce never asked to be a part of this narrative. She's been working her ass off since she was seven years old, doing her job, recording, practicing for tours, sourcing new material, working hard. And now, 
She can't go through a grocery store checkout line without seeing the headlines. Jay-Z cheating with Rihanna. Is Beyonce still going through grocery store checkout lines at this point? Doesn't she have people for that? Okay, you know what I mean. (laughs) Whatever went down that night in Jay's club, she's done. Mm. And from what people said, Jay just hangs back, trying to figure out what the hell just happened. A friend at the club asks him, You upset, Jay? And Jay says, You got me. He knows he blew it, and he's crushed. He'll later write a song about it called Lost One. He says, I don't think it's meant to be, B, but she loves her work more than she does me. And honestly, at 23, I would probably love my work more than I did she. So he's basically saying that's how he would have felt at her age. I think. Or maybe how he did feel back then. But she's still allowed to love her work. And she's allowed to be pissed that everyone thinks her boyfriend stepped out on her with Rihanna. I totally get it. Yeah, totally agree. But what went down that day, no one knows except them. And what happens next is totally speculation, too. The only thing we know is that Beyonce tells Jay she needs some time. She breaks up with him. Ugh, this is too (laughs) stressful. Whether it was because of Rihanna or because Beyonce wanted to focus on her career, it's going to be a whole year before they get back together. It's 2005. Beyonce and Jay-Z are on a break. And Bay throws herself into promo for her solo album, Dangerously in Love. It's a lot of pressure, juggling her album and all the tabloid attention that never seems to stop. When we were in our early 20s, we were parking cars. Can you imagine if the paps had been keeping tabs on our relationships back then? Oh, God. I can see it now. Valet thinks guy who held the door open for her is her new boyfriend. Okay, well, he kind of was. (laughs) In my mind, anyway. (laughs) But Beyonce is dealing with a lot, and she's doing a pretty amazing job of it. But not everybody thinks so. In November 2005, she does an interview for Vanity Fair. She mentions offhand to the reporter that she wrote seven or eight number one songs for Destiny's Child in a row. Given that track record, she says she really felt the pressure from fans to come up with another chart topper when she launched her solo career. What's wrong with that? Well, like most pop artists, she didn't write the songs alone. She collaborated with producers and other songwriters. And some of those producers feel like she's claiming full credit for songs they wrote together. Mm. And just like that, she's got another PR mess on her hands. Reporters start to comb through her back catalog and accuse her of lying about even more of her songwriting credits. It's not like this is the first time Beyonce's made this kind of mistake. She did the same thing a few years back when Destiny's Child released their hit Bootylicious. You remember that one, right, Arisha? Uh, yeah. I'm a child of the 90s. That song is imprinted in my brain. I mean, I know you want to. If you insist. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't don't think think you're ready ready for this jelly because my body's too bootylicious for you, babe. Wow, should we go on tour? Yeah, I'm booking us right now. Okay, great. So anyway, (laughs) that song was written by a producer from New Jersey named Rob Fasari. He couldn't stand that Beyonce was taking credit for his work. So he complained to her manager and father, Matthew Knowles. He wanted her to stop saying she wrote his song. And Matthew told him, look... Nobody wants to read about Rob from New Jersey writing Bootylicious. They want Beyonce, which, fair enough, right? Mm -hmm. So even after the Vanity Fair interview where Beyonce doubles down on her claims that she wrote these songs herself, she never defends herself against these allegations. It's almost as if she doesn't feel like she needs to. She's an incredible stage performer and vocalist. That's what she's been trained to do. And she's one of the best at it. Yeah, but she's saying she wrote songs she didn't. But... That doesn't mean she's not constantly working her ass off. Yeah, exactly. She's determined to keep her eyes forward and keep going. Ignore the press. 
And now with Jay in her rear view, she has the space to work even harder. She spends all of 2005 recording new songs, promoting her album, and branching out into movies. It seems like all that hard work is paying off when she lands a starring role in the movie musical Dreamgirls. And, well, Arisha, what do you remember about Dreamgirls? Jennifer Hudson. Exactly. (laughs) The movie is about a girl group that falls apart when one singer, played by Beyonce, gets elevated above all the rest thanks to their untrustworthy win-at-all-costs manager. Ah, I see why she might identify with aspects of the role. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's convinced Beyonce will steal the show. But almost as soon as she steps on the set in early 2006, the whole thing starts to backfire. People will later say she's stiff and uncomfortable on camera. She plays Dina, the young woman who gets chosen as lead singer over Effie, who is another member of her group. Effie is played by Jennifer Hudson. At this point, Jennifer's basically only known for being on American Idol. And side note, Jennifer Hudson didn't even win her season of American Idol. She came in seventh. That's insane. Brooke, do you know who won? I have no idea. Fantasia. No clue who that is. (laughs) The winner of American Idol when Jennifer Hudson was on. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) But that explains why Jennifer Hudson has to audition for the part in Dreamgirls. She beat out 800 other girls to get that part. And when she shows up on set, she's hungry. In scene after scene, Jennifer shines. During the shoot, some of her big co-stars, like Jamie Foxx, even tell her the movie's going to make her a big star. Years later, Jennifer Hudson went on Howard Stern, and he asked her about it. Let's be honest. That was supposed to be Beyonce's movie. You know, I get the chills even saying this. And I bet you do, too. That really was her movie. It became your movie. Wow. You know that's true. And you're smiling. I mean, because you know that's true. And that's a remarkable you, thing. Did she sense, do you think? They used to all say it. I didn't understand. And they would tell me that. And like, you have, the amazing thing is you have no clue what's going on. It's pretty much what everyone thought during the filming. Jennifer was a natural, which can't be easy for Beyonce. She's always been the center of attention, going all the way back to her girls' time days. And she's always been really strategic. She doesn't do anything unless she plans to win. So to have someone else steal the show, that's got to sting. It's been a tough year. The press is saying she doesn't write her own songs. She gets outshined in a movie that was supposed to be her big break. And she's been dealing with all of it alone. I can't even handle watching a series finale without calling you. (laughs) Well, Beyonce needs a brook. (laughs) (laughs) We all need a brook. That's true. Or someone like Jay-Z. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yes. She's been close with him since she was 18 years old, and he's the only person outside of her family she's ever truly been able to open up to. Maybe she should give him another shot. Even the rich hit up their exes when things get tough. (laughs) I wonder what that conversation was like. You think she just called him up and was like, hey, let's do this. Maybe. I'm Beyonce. (laughs) Ring, ring. What's up? Hello, Jay. Hello, Beyonce. Feeling blue? A little, yeah. That sucks. So why not come back to my loving arms? Ever since you left, my life is empty. Like a black and white movie. Or even worse. I love black and white movies. Please, bring color into my world again. You're the only one for me. I love you. Okay. Want to talk about work? Okay. Is Jay still retired from making records? Um, no, that didn't last too long. (laughs) While Beyonce was shooting Dreamgirls, Jay was still doing his president of Def Jam thing. Plus, he buys part of an NBA team. Of course. But later, he'll feel the pull to go back into the studio. It's a savvy business move. 
He knows that a new Jay-Z album will be great for Def Jam sales. His post-retirement album's called Kingdom Come. The title's from a comic book about Superman's return from retirement. In one song, he calls himself hip-hop's savior. Some critics say Jay has lost his touch. One says the record is just, quote, Jay boringly rapping about boring stuff and being totally comfortable with it. But fans love it. The record sells two million copies in three weeks. Wow. But back to the love story. With Bay back in the picture, things are looking rosy. So he plans a long vacation to celebrate getting back together. It's a chance for them to reconnect, clear the air, and take some time off from work. Where do they go this time? San Tropez? Ibiza? Or maybe one of those $10,000 a night hotels in the forests of New Zealand? I mean, probably someplace we don't even know exists, unlike Mars. Yeah, you can pretty much go anywhere if you're rich. True. Wherever they go, they're only there for a few weeks before Beyonce is itching to get back in the studio. She's nervous about telling Jay-Z, though. The whole point of this trip was to set aside work and focus on the relationship. Aw, Bay, do you know how much it costs to get a reservation on Mars? And now you just want to go back to work? Pretty sure he said that exactly. (laughs) (laughs) In March 2006, Beyonce starts recording her second solo album. It's called B-Day, and she's picking her own producers and spreading her wings. She records the whole thing in three weeks, which is pretty much a whirlwind. But she's on fire. The songs are full of emotion and anger about Jay and Rihanna and everything she's had to deal with. On the song, Ring the Alarm, she sings, Ring the alarm. I've been through this too long, but I'll be damned if I see another chick on your arm. It's authentic. She's singing about herself and her own life, just like Jay does. It's the first time she's been this personal and open. It should be a recipe for success, right? It's not. So you're trying to eat better, but meal prepping isn't exactly cutting it. Trust me, I've been there, which is why I'm so excited for today's sponsor, Factor. Factor's pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals are delivered right to your door and heat up in just two minutes. Eating better has never been easier. It really hasn't. And you'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. This is a sponsor that we're like, we're going to probably pay for this on our own when yeah. it runs out. And that's a big testament. Like, the meals are delicious. They I are have not really had good. a meal I don't like from there. Yeah. The idea of being able to put something in the microwave yes. for two minutes and it coming out as if you cooked it. <sighs> yeah. I feel like we're living in the future. We are. And we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Yeah. So head to factormeals.com slash rich50 and use code rich50 to get 50% off. That's code rich50 at factormeals.com slash rich50 to get 50% off. Her album comes out that summer on her 25th birthday. And right away, she runs into trouble. People don't like the video for the single she releases, Deja Vu. That's funny because I actually just watched the video for the first time in maybe a decade. Mm -hmm. And I'm just as blown away as I was 10 years ago. It's the one where she's dancing around this big old empty house, running through the grass, doing this insane choreography, right? Yes. And it's so sexy. And Jay's there leaning against Mm -hmm. a wall looking cool. He wraps his verses and she dances down his body. It's definitely suggestive, but it's nothing anyone would bet an eye at today. But back then, it's too racy. 
thousands of people sign a petition for the video to be taken out of rotation on MTV and BET. People say it looks too much like she's giving him a blowjob. Other people just think the video's bad. Her fans want her to shoot a new one. People always get like that when their favorite artist tries something new. This isn't the soulful R&B she used to be known for with Destiny's Child. It's not bubblegum sexy pop like some of Beyonce's other videos. It's different, a little dark, but still incredible. Mm -hmm. And man, she's such an amazing dancer. Oh my God, totally. I could watch her perform for literally hours. Truly. And I did today. I know, it's mesmerizing (laughs) watching her move. But Beyonce is trying to figure out who she is and what she wants to do next. I mean, she's 25 and the media just will not give her a break. Then in late 2006, Dreamgirls hits theaters. Beyonce's performance is widely seen as just meh. The headline of the Wall Street Journal's review is literally, Beyonce who? Ouch. Yeah. And then the tabloids pit Beyonce against Jennifer Hudson. Everybody wants Bay to admit she's jealous of Jennifer. They just keep asking. God forbid two women work together with no feud. Yeah, seriously. Beyonce basically says this. She tells ABC News she thinks they're stirring up controversy on purpose. She says, it's an ensemble cast. I knew that going in and I was fine with that because I'm not doing this to become a star or prove that I can sing. I've already won nine Grammys and everyone knows that I can sing. So I did this mainly to prove that I can act. Um, also, quick side note. Did you know Jim from The Office is in this movie? No. He's in a scene with Beyonce where he plays a director who wants to cast her in a film. It's surreal. <laughs> Jim Halpert and Beyonce. A mashup I never saw coming. Especially because it's pre-movie star Jim. Before he got on Jack Ryan and started playing action heroes in war films. Yeah. It's literally just Jim from The Office hanging out with Bay. God bless him. Yeah. But what really hurts Beyonce comes a few months later. Jennifer Hudson wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, which is fine, no surprise there. But the song Listen from Dreamgirls also gets a nomination, and Beyonce was one of the writers of the song. But the Academy has a rule that only allows three co-writers on one song. Somebody over there decided Bay's contribution was the smallest, so they leave her off the nomination. Ugh. Of course, as soon as this gets out into the press, the old accusations start to swirl again, claiming that Beyonce takes credit for songs that aren't hers. By this point, Jay's starting to worry about Beyonce. He tries to tell her she doesn't have to be perfect all the time, that she can vent and show flaws, but she tells him she just doesn't know how. Her whole life, instead of getting mad, she's always thrown herself into her work. Think about it. As a kid, her parents' financial stability was on her shoulders. She watched their marriage fall apart, And the whole time, all she could do was work. It was the only thing she could control. And it's a habit she can't break now. So now, in 2007, Jay's watching her kill herself to prep for her third global tour, the Beyonce experience. This girl is a machine. In the past three years, she's, what, starred in movies, put out two albums, broken up and gotten back together with her partner, and now she's headed out on tour again? She's never satisfied. Here she is in an interview with 60 Minutes Australia. They're wrapping up, and the interviewer asks her how she wants to be described. How would you like me to describe you? Um, a legend in the making. A legend? Yeah. That's big. I said in the making. I love how there's no irony in her voice at all. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine having that much confidence? Oh, it's just me, Arisha. You know, the legend in the making. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're a legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> so 
Beyonce's prepping for her tour and she's working too hard. Yes, she's literally exhausting herself. Here she is in the documentary Year of Four talking about what a perfectionist she is. I am a workaholic and I don't believe in no. I don't believe in I need to sleep. If I'm not sleeping, nobody's sleeping. Jay-Z keeps telling her it's too much. You can't do this all yourself. He really cares about her. He wants to help her. And most importantly, he doesn't want to lose her again. So he makes a decision. So this is when he decides to propose? That's right. Jay pops the question in 2007, the same year he turns 38. At his birthday dinner, surrounded by friends and family, Beyonce gets up to toast her man. I don't know where to start, she says. I was 20 years old when we first started dating. You taught me how to be a woman. You taught me how to live. You taught me how to be a friend. You've given me so much, and there's not enough I can give you. I just want you to be happy. And every year, I'm even more in love with you and want to spend every day of my life with you. But what you have to understand is, this isn't just any two people falling in love and deciding to spend the rest of their lives together. They're worth millions. It's as much a corporate merger as it is a wedding. And you know what we say. Mo money, mo drama. A.K.A. the mantra of this entire show. That's right. So it's now the spring of 2008. The ink on Jay and Bay's wedding certificate isn't even dry before the rumors start churning. Are these two really crazy in love? Or is this just a calculated business partnership? Hmm. The music historian Jeff Chang calls the marriage the biggest merger you could possibly imagine. It's two superpowers coming together. It's sort of Microsoft and Apple deciding they can be literally in bed together. Someone else says the two of them getting together from a business perspective is like one plus one equals ten. Nobody believes anything Beyonce does is authentic. She just married the love of her life. Is nothing enough for these people? Exactly. And it's also not as if they're flinging their marriage in other people's faces. In fact, they're as weirdly coy as ever. In an interview later that year, a reporter congratulates Jay. And Jay says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you serious? Yeah. And later that year, in a different interview, Jay calls Beyonce his friend. When the interviewer tries to get him to confirm that he's actually, you know, married, Jay gets really angry. He goes, that's ridiculous for me to confirm. I just think it's really part of your life that you got to keep to yourself. Okay, as a non-world famous musician and Mm non-billionaire, I'd be a little upset if my husband said something like that. But I can totally see the merit of someone of J&B's stature going the lips are sealed route. Well, Beyonce's on board. When reporters ask questions, she's coy, too. And there are plenty of magazines clamoring for even a glimpse of her wedding. They could make a million dollars off a single photo if they wanted to sell it. But they don't. They don't release a single image. I guess I get it. They don't want their business out there for the world to see. But even if they're still private about their relationship, being married does seem to change how they talk about themselves. In interviews, Beyonce starts giving people a glimpse of her vulnerable side. Like when she tells a reporter, we're all human. I don't care if you're picture perfect on every magazine cover and you're the most handsome, successful, coolest guy. You still get sad and you still get your feelings hurt and you still get confused and vulnerable and nervous and scared. You have to find a person you can make it through the tough times with. Oh, Bay, she found her person. Yeah, I do believe they really love each other. Their marriage is not a cold-blooded business deal, but... There's always a but with rich people. (laughs) But their marriage is like a small business, and Jay is ready to take on the challenge. At the end of 2007, Jay-Z's run as the president of Def Jam Records ends. After three years, he steps down. 
His so-called retirement as a musician barely happened. Now he's done being a record executive. Even though he had some success, like discovering Rihanna and helping Kanye West blow up, he only gives himself a B for his performance as head of Def Jam. Mm. Now, with a new decade on the horizon and Beyonce on his arm, Jay's got a new business to focus on. The business of being the first couple of hip-hop. Jay-Z and Beyonce Incorporated. You know it. But merging their empires and leaving their past behind is going to be harder than they think. This is episode two of our four-part series, Jay-Z and Beyonce, American Royalty. We use many sources when researching our stories, like Vanity Fair and The New York Times. But we especially recommend the books Becoming Beyonce by Randy Tarabarelli and Empire State of Mind by Zachary O'Malley-Greenberg. I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. Sarah Labrie wrote this episode. Our audio engineer is us. Sound design by Marcelino Villalpando. Kayla Bissinger is our associate producer. Our executive producers are Stephanie Jens, Marsha Louie, and Hernan Lopez. For Wondery. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.